0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 99%. We've got to move through this one pretty quickly because in an hour, I have to take off for my strength session with my strength coach. So um, we got to be on the ball here, Marilyn. You ready?
1: Ooh, man. That's good that this is the topic today, then. We got a whole ass through strength so you can get to strength.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Topic of the day, lifting heavies. Yep. Uh, specifically triathletes kind of getting into lifting weights in the off season, maybe after having taken a break from lifting weights throughout the competitive part of the year and, and yeah, how, maybe how to get back into it appropriately, what that might look like and how that fits into all the other things you're probably trying to do.
1: Yeah, we did, we did a little strength training podcast. I remember like months ago, but. It was, you know, it was a while ago and it wasn't like post-race season. Like I, I know that the majority of people now, most people are finished, either finish the race season or just finishing out the race season. And they're having a bit of an off season, not really swim, biking, running that much. Or if they are, it's on a pretty, I, I call it lots of wiggle room uh, type schedule right now, which you should be right. But a lot of people are getting into the gym and I thought it was like really important for us to go through, well- I want to hear a little bit about like what you're doing specifically. And then I wanted to talk about real specifics of how to program it, what different types of sort of lanes you can go into when it comes to strength training, and and what that might look like in your week's layout. In addition to what you're doing with swim, bike and run and um, you know, maybe touch a little bit on people's backgrounds and stuff and what, how you might actually like get into the, the the meat and potatoes of what this actual training might look like.
0: Awesome. Let's, let's start with um, what you refer to as the different, different lanes your strength training might be into. And like, I guess by that, I mean, what are you trying to get out of this strength training? I think different maybe groups of athletes are going to have different goals for their strength training um do you have like some maybe groups that you put people in as far as like what they're trying to get out of the strength training sessions
1: yeah no so the first thing is is that a lot of triathletes they might just lump in okay i'm going to start in the gym and they try and approach that training just like they do their triathlon training and i think you when i say different lanes i think you need to figure out if you're the type of athlete that's going to benefit from a more core body weight type routine with agility work, mobility work, um, you know, more of that kind of stuff where it's, it's not, you're not necessarily lifting heavy weights in any way you're doing a lot of, maybe not necessarily plyometrics, but activation type stuff. Maybe there is a small amount of plyometrics. Maybe there's some like, um, agility ladders and, you know, different things like that to work on your overall body movement and strength and core routine. So if you're landing in that lane where that's where you're going to benefit the most from in terms of your overall strength training for the winter, then that is programmed really differently in in a way of how many times a week you can do it and in relationship to the swim, bike, and run. Now, if you're the type of athlete that is going to fall in the lane that says, actually, I need to go in and lift some heavy weight, then deciding what exercises, what equipment that is going to be the best for you, how many sets and reps, and then how to place that in your week, how many times a week and and in relationship to swim, bike, and run. So those, those look extremely different from one another. And I think what happens is a lot of athletes just throw it all into one basket and try and do the exact same thing as they do with their triathlon training or treat those two things exactly the same. And what I mean the same is like how many times a week they do it and what the sets and reps are and how they actually progress it and and periodize it and how many weeks and those kinds of things. So they should look extremely different. Once you've decided which which type of programming is going to benefit you the most, then you need to really understand how different those need to look.
0: Yeah. I, I kind of break those two down in, in my verbiage to like mobility goals or like strength goals. Like what, what does the athlete need? Do you need more mobility or do you need more strength? And then, and then once we know like what we're trying to get to, then we can say, how do we do that and kind of put that framework around it so that it makes sense to the athlete. And we're all kind of on the same page there as far as how to get there. And, and yeah, I think you're right. Like if you're working on mobility, you could probably do that four times a week. Whereas if you're working on strength, maybe you can do that two times a week. And so, yeah, that the, how you, how you program that definitely is very different. And I mean, I hate to ask you a a generalization question because there's obviously always going to be exceptions, but if you were going to give like general rules, as far as who might go into each camp or like some, some examples, can you, um, can you kind of pair that, pair that out for me?
1: Yeah. You know, funny enough, I think it it might actually be the opposite of what people are thinking. If you're a pretty strong person naturally already, you know, you already have good natural strength and maybe you're the type of athlete that is a little bit bigger in size, puts on size really easily and is just naturally strong. Maybe even come from a strength background. Like maybe you used to be a football player or you, um, lifted weights a lot, prior to doing endurance sports, or you're a strength athlete at some point, that group of people is going to benefit the most from mobility, agility, core type work, and just sticking to sport specific type strength, which would be big gear work or hill climbing on the bike, uh, paddle work in the pool and hill running and and that kind of thing. So if you're that type of athlete, you're, you're going to want to lift heavy weights because you can and you get strong fast and it's fun. You're like, yay, it's my off season. I'm going to go lift some weight. I'm going to move some weight and you can move some weight and get really strong, really fast. However, that's not what's going to benefit you the most in terms of being a better endurance athlete or better triathlete. So though that type of athlete, I would put more in the direction of let's work on more side to side movement, lateral movement, um, getting quicker on your feet, maybe, you know, some, some bounding, some jumping, those kinds of things that are, you know, going, that's going to benefit those athletes a lot more. If you're one step down from there, anything sort of in between. So if you're like a medium athlete where you're, you're strong, but you've lost a lot of strength throughout the year, you don't put on a lot of size easily, or you're a smaller athlete who is lacking in overall total body strength in general then those are the athletes I'm going to say okay we need to actually get in the gym and we need to lift some weights and we need to get strong and and that's regardless if you're male or female I know there's a big push that that's really important for females but I I know plenty of females that fall in you know the I can move big weight lane and they don't need to do that they're they're naturally pretty strong and they it actually won't benefit them to do that. And then I know, you know, plenty of men who are losing strength as they get a little older and maybe they're a little lighter and they're naturally really thin, great runners and they need to build some strength through the off season. So I'm not even going to put this in a gender category. This is much more of like, what type of athlete are you? And, um, so, so yeah, that's, that's how I would, that's where I would start with that stuff.
0: Yeah, no, I think that was a great breakdown and I, I agree. I don't think gender really plays, plays a role at all. I think, yeah. Yeah background and kind of how you are as an athlete right now is what's most important in that. Um, so which category do you put yourself in?
1: <laughs> I am, I'm definitely, well, you know, I did strength sports for five years. So, you know, I did the Olympic lifting and power lifting and I'm built like a little bulldog. I mean, i look at a weight and I, get, I mean, I get pretty, everyone's like, man, I got, you know, big legs, my arms get big, really fast. And that's just my natural heritage. My whole family's like that. So we get strong, fast and big old Ukrainian family. So, um, (laughs) so yeah, so I definitely, and I can, I can lift heavy weight quick and, and I, and I love doing it. It's fun. I'm exactly that person that's like, Oh, it's off season. Let's go lift weights. And, you know, within a couple of weeks I can lift over my body weight because of the background and that's, I'm naturally strong. However, as soon as I do that, You know, I'm not be able to ride very well because I'm so sore and so tired from lifting and I'm getting bigger. And so I lose a lot of fitness and the strength gains that I'm making maybe don't apply that well onto the bike. I'm not seeing actually that much gain for how much weight I'm moving and the amount of fitness that I'm losing for doing the weights. Is significant. So I'm going slower and slower. So that's when I say, like for someone like me, I'm better off to do seated big gear reps on the bike or, you know, on the trainer really hard tension time trial position type work than I am to go and squat one five by five at 155. You know, that's I can do that pretty easily, but it's really not transferring over onto the bike that well for me at all, versus if I do big gear work. So um so, yeah, I'm definitely I'm definitely in the in the in the strong meaty camp like <laughs> lane camp, whatever you want to call it. How about you? Where are you? Where do you lay?
0: Uh, I think I'm more in the, the other side of the equation. And I think our our conversation we had on the bike really, uh, really brought this to the forefront of my brain. Where we were kind of talking about how we were both kind of getting back into some lifting, both doing a little bit of squatting. And I think we were both doing kind of similar amount of reps. And I was like, man, I feel pretty good on the bike. I feel like pretty strong. And I'm like, you know, a few pounds heavier because it's the off season, but I I feel like I could push, push pretty hard right now. And you kind of looked at me and said the exact opposite. And then we talked about the weight in which we were starting at. And not only was I starting at like a much lower weight, but if you look at like percent of, of body weight, which it is, I was, I would be at a much, much lower percent of body weight than, than you were at. And it felt really hard for me. I bet like the RP was probably the same for both of us for our starting point, but you were like doing whatever, like four by 10 at like 90% of your, your body weight. And I was doing like four by 10 at 60% of my body weight. And it felt pretty hard for me. And so I think that kind of just really brings to the front of like, well, which, whichever kind of camp you're in for this conversation, it, it can be a, a very different starting point and then have very different effects on how you feel after. And, and so, yeah, like it, it does make a pretty big difference kind of where you're at right there. And, and yeah, that, I don't know. I thought that conversation was pretty funny.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, if you're, so most people, if they're going to be, you know, starting to actually lift weights and, and move weight in the gym, the first thing I guess I'm getting a little ahead of myself here, but uh I'll just say it anyways, is the first thing is you want to know is you really only want to do it twice a week. And you want them to be spread out 40 at least 48 hours to 72 hours apart from one another. And if you're doing any kind of other like sport-specific strength, it needs to be carefully placed away from that as well. Cause that's when people get injured or get hurt or they just overdo the strength system a little bit. You know, if you're doing So a common thing that I'll say is like, if you're doing actual gym on Monday, where you're actually lifting weights, and then let's say, we'll just use the bike, for example, because it's easy. And we'll say on Wednesday, we're doing, you know, those, those big gear reps or something like that, then you might not do another gym session till Saturday afternoon, or even, you know, Friday or something like that. So those, you want to make sure that that stuff is spread out really well, and you're getting good recovery between the strength. Another way you might program that is if you do, let's say you're doing your, your gym work, let's say you're doing it on Tuesday Tuesday and Thursday or Tuesday and Friday, you might do your big gear work on the same day as you do your strength session, right? So you might do like Tuesday is big gear work and your gym session. The rest of your week is all your other stuff and you do your second day of strength, on like Friday or Saturday, where there's like no sport-specific strength. Maybe you're doing hill reps on the run and your gym session, or you know just aerobic work in your gym session, something like that. So the most important thing to know is if you're actually moving weight in the gym, that it should be no more than twice a week, in my opinion, and it should be spread out really well in, from one another, and really keeping in mind the the, the sport-specific strength stuff as well, that that they really impact one another.
0: Yeah, I would say if you are trying to back those up in the same day, that it's really important to pay attention to fueling. And I'd say if you can get them at least three hours apart, mm-hmm. that can really help like kind of recover from one before you try and attack the other. Um, but yeah, making sure you're definitely like topped up after whichever one you do first to to kind of get the most out of both those. And and then ideally, if you're kind of getting into this in the off season or whatever, you have some time so that there's not. lot of other intense sessions right because you don't it it is like you i feel like it goes in in the in place of an intense session right so if you have if you have whatever two intense runs two intense bikes two intense swims and then two intense lifts all in the same week that's a lot of that's probably too much intensity for most people especially starting back lifting. So really trying to say, okay, I'm introducing this or getting back into this in the off season. So I'm going to drop the intensity in some of the other sports. And that is going to count as like my intense workouts for the week, or maybe you're doing a little bit of other intensity, say like maybe one other intense session in all three sports. And you can kind of separate those out and, and really treating it. Like you're saying for what it is, it is like, you're you're breaking down muscles and having to rebuild them. It, It is like another intense session and it's going to be it's going to take some recovery time to so kind of give it that do that the respect that it deserves.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I like to do sometimes you can see more advanced athletes or athletes who've done got a, you know, good history and and they've got a good base of many years of strength in their off season. I'll like to program in in sort of opposing from the strength days neuromuscular quickness type stuff so let's say they have a lift one day in preparation for that the day before we might do a r- really light load high rpm session so working on the nervous system keeping that firing keeping them really athletic really fast Some maybe some str- an easy run with some strides on the flat or a gentle downhill something like that or turnovers on the treadmill so you're keeping that nervous system going keeping that quickness and and keeping that firing on the opposite days of that you're doing the lifting. So we're not just going slow and easy all the time and then lifting. So those, but that's maybe a little bit more advanced, you know, for some people just going easy and all their other training and the lifts just being their intensity through that block of time is plenty. Like you say, that's like plenty enough for someone who's a little newer to it and, um, a more advanced athlete might benefit from some nervous system activation stuff on the days, on the opposing days to the strength days so you know you can take a look at that in your program as well
0: yeah and i think you know even if you are a new athlete if you do a very little bit of that then i think that can still really help like maintain some of that that turnover speed for like whether it's even something simple like five by eight seconds like sprinting on the bike or something or um, you know, four by 15 seconds at the end of your run, just like doing some strides, like It can be super short. So it's not an actual like intense session. Um, but you can just kind of maintain a little bit of that. Uh, so you don't get totally dragged down if, if that kind of, if it feels like that happens when you start to lift heavy.
1: Right. Let's talk about like the really like, like if you're, and I'd like to compare notes, if you're going to program Right now we're talking about actually lifting weights and being in the gym. So if you're going to program, say you've got, let's call a strength cycle. How long would you call a strength cycle first? Let's see where we're at in that. Um,
0: So, I mean, I would say like, in general, I follow somewhat like a a three on one kind of deload in when I'm scheduling strength. For like Um, six
1: weeks, 12 weeks, eight weeks. I'd say
0: um, I'd go eight to 12. Okay. I'd want yeah. to have like a good chunk of time there. Um, and, but yeah, within that it'd be kind of like four week blocks. And I'd ideally, yeah, I'd want to have two or three of those based on the athlete.
1: Yeah. Yep. I, I agree. I mean, I think you need, I think you need at least, <laughs> I think you need at least six weeks minimum to see any kind of strength gains of any kind. So if you're going to incorporate like a strength block, Minimum six weeks. Ideally, like you say, 12 weeks. You know, a good 12 week cycle is uh most ideal. But if you're if you're having to just do a shorter cycle, then you know, minimum six weeks. And you know, I think you want to look at your strength training the same way you do your, you know, all your other training. There's a base period where you're starting a little lighter and you know, you put you you do let's say three by 10 or 3 by 15 or 4 by 10 and you're accumulating a lot of reps at lower weight and, and it's, that's basically your base phase, right? So if you're doing, and you don't need to do, the other mistake people make is they do way way too many exercises, pick a couple exercises, right? If you're doing a squat, I would say for most triathletes, either squat and a trap bar deadlift or squat and RDLs, those those two exercises that's plenty you know and then you do your supplementary stuff like your core work and your calf raises and your band work and all that kind of stuff but just two main lifts that's all you need you don't need to go in there and do like 20 exercises and for it to take an hour and the other part of that is you don't need to time your do not don't in fact don't wear a watch and time your strength sessions when you go in there you know if you put in training peaks it should take you about an hour about It might take you 45 minutes, might take you an hour and a half, just depends, but just do the sets and reps and however long it takes you, it takes you and sit down and rest in between your, in in between your sets, right? You want to, you want to do, if you're doing four by 10, you do your first set. And then this is, this is not a triathlon. So you can just hang out for a minute, fiddle on your phone, whatever it is you're going to do, rest for a minute or two, and then do your next set. So Take your time, that doesn't matter. And so, you know, if you're gonna do your base phase, you might do the first two weeks of that four by 10 to really get a good base of lightweight and and high volume. And um, and then you'll graduate from there. So I, I feel like do you do you have a progression like that? And and when I say graduate from there, I can outline the exact sets and reps that where I graduate from, but I wanna I wanna hear what you have to say on that.
0: Yeah, I I definitely agree. I think. Let's, um, let's take a step back and let's look at what, like, what an actual lifting routine might look like, like just, you know, what kind of warm up might you give somebody? And then you talked about having like one of two main exercises. So if we're doing like two days a week for, would you call it like, let's say an A day and a B day and, um, or like day one, day two, whatever you want to call it. And yep. so let's say that first day is like your squat day, and that second day is your deadlift day. And those yep. are your two main days. And then you have some kind of like ancillary exercises around there. Um let's start with the warm-up. What kind of warm-up exercises do you give? Do you have like a, a few you like or you know, I know I'm sure it depends on the athlete and maybe what they need, but just like some for general, like a few things that might be in a warm-up you would give.
1: Yeah, I keep the warm ups pretty simple, actually. I mean, if you want to get on a little piece of a cardio equipment for five minutes and just move around, I suggest like, you know, if you jump on uh, an elliptical or something like that and just get the blood moving, if you've been sitting at your desk all day or you haven't really done anything yet that day, that's, that's probably a good idea. And then honestly, some really good leg swings. So let's say you do, you know, 20 leg swings side to side, front to front, both legs, and then sit down in a deep squat. Um, so, you know, you might even use a, a weight where you sit down and you just open up your hips and hamstrings and just sit down there in your ankles, those kinds of things. And, you know, 10 toe touches and, and then start with some air squats or you know maybe the bar or a pvc pipe or depending on your strength level and just some warm up you know squats make sure your forms on that kind of thing and then you're from there you're pretty much ready to get going and of course each set is progressive so like the first set might be quite light for you And, and it's just, you know, you're getting going and each set you're increasing the weight a little bit. So it's like, if you're doing four by 10, really those first couple sets are just building up the weight. And it's, we call like. The last two are your working sets. And really, when you're doing four by ten, it's that last set that you're like, okay, I'm at my working weight now. So you're you're warming up as you go. So an actual warm-up might be pretty simple, you know, a little five minutes of cardio, deep squat, some leg swings, um, some light bar bar movements, and um you're you're ready to go. How about you? Nice. Do you have like a set one?
0: Um, yeah, I have a few different exercises I kind of cycle through and um and give people. I, I like to do some sort of glute activation and that can be like either side steps or clamshells or things like bridges or just bridges with a band. some one or two of those based on, based on the athlete and, um, and yeah, kind of like what they're doing beforehand. Right. If you're, if it's first thing in the morning or like you've been sitting for eight hours, you definitely might need a little more of that. And I do, I, I, I like that cardio beforehand too. I think that's a good idea. I, I don't often write that in, but I I think that's definitely good, especially if it's first thing in the morning or yeah, you haven't done much. But it's good to get that heart rate up before you ask, ask a lot of your body, get that blood flowing. Um and then I like some sort of core activation, um, whether that's just a few push-ups or like some like a, a round of bird dogs or something like that, to get kind of like glutes and core a little bit engaged and hopefully you can kind of click that mental switch where you're like, okay, I can feel my glutes and my core engaging. And now I want to like maintain that as I move on to whatever my main lift is. And then I think that's, I I like to keep that focus through like, like you're saying like some air squats or some super lightweight, like grab a kettlebell or or grab just a bar and you're doing some, some super light squats. And I think that it's really important to be like mentally engaged right there. That's when you're saying, okay, my core is still turning on my glutes are firing. I'm not like shifting my hips around, and you kind of like dial in that good position for whatever like the activity is. And then when you go to lift the heavy weights, hopefully you kind of maintain that. Um, and it's interesting how you how you described how you go through the four by ten. I've um I've always kind of been under the impression that I do like a few warm up sets, and then when I get to if we're just and it doesn't have to be four by ten, but since that's what we're using, like. I kind of in my head, all those always had to be like almost the same, or like the all had to be like like working sets. So I do maybe like a warm up with just the bar, and then I kind of do some small progressions of like five reps to get myself ready for my four by ten. Um,
1: well, and this is the important part of this conversation, and what you're pointing out is what you touched on when we were first talking was how much weight you're actually using. So like my last set of four by ten is my body weight. Um, so like so honestly, yeah. So if I'm doing four by 10, my last set, and I'll I'll use exact numbers. I'm I'm fine with that. So my my last set of four by 10 will be with 135 pounds, and that's my body weight. And so for you, so if I was just going to stay with, you know, 65 pounds or 75 pounds or even 95 pounds, I could just do that for all four sets of 10. That's that's no problem. But I might start out like so I might start out with the bar as my warm-up set, and then the next set I'll do like 95, you know. 95, then jump to 115, then jump to 125, 130, 135. So like, those are big jumps at the beginning. And then my last set is my actual body weight. And so that's where, like you were talking at the beginning of knowing the athlete you are and where you're strong. So for you, if you're like, oh, I'm only lifting 70% or 60% of my body weight. Yeah. You're going to warm up with the bar. You do that one set of five to warm up. And then you put your weight on and that's the weight you stay at because it's really now goal for you might be that each set you add like another five pounds, you know, two and two and a half on each side and try and make that last set your heaviest set. Uh, so that's like, that's actually kind of a cool thing to bring up because that might be based on which lane you're in, right? Mm-hmm. You know, what type of athlete are, even if, so it's like, you know, for me, it, um, even if I, if. That's why I stopped gym pretty quickly because the I I don't I'm like oh I don't need the size and I'm strong enough or whatever is like if I get to four by ten and I'm even doing like one forty five one fifty five at the end that's you know that's a lot when you only weigh one thirty five but if I was just using ninety five or one hundred five then then that's going to have a significant different impact so anyways sorry that was such yeah, side yeah, no, but I think I, an important point for people to know
0: and I would say like if. If you're just starting out, I would almost recommend people stay away from that, like that progression through the weights, mm-hmm. because th- that can that can really lead to getting you really sore. Because, like, say sometimes I start out with four by ten and 105 pounds, yeah. and I was pretty sore the next day. Yeah. And like right now, I weigh like around 145, so it's not it's not that much weight compared to how much I weigh, but that kind of messed me up for a couple of days. So I probably should have started at like 85 or 90 pounds, yeah. and I could have done four by 10 and progressed up to like one twenty five by the last set of of 10, but I would have like not been able to get off the toilet the next day. And so I, one of the things I think we really want to recommend people not do is get overly sore. And I think it's really easy, especially for go-getter athletes when they, when you put them in the gym. So starting out like as, as slow as you need to is really hard and, um,
1: Especially that base phase that we're talking about, like the first two weeks where if you're lifting, so that's four lifts. So basically like two, two lifts in two weeks. So it's like, sorry, like, you know what I'm saying? Four lifts for a base Mm -hmm. phase. So let's say you do four by tens and you do four full sessions of that. And then the next progression might be, you're going to five by eights. And then you're, once you've done two weeks of that, you're going down to like five by fives. And that's like your heaviest part of your cycle where you stay, where you continue to build up the actual weight. So when you're in those four by tens and those first two, maybe even do that for three weeks. If you're someone who needs that and you're new to it and you just stay, like you're saying with that light weight. And making sure you're in really good form, and and the other thing that we haven't talked about is depth as well. You know, as triathletes, I really don't think you need to go past ninety degrees. In fact, I I, I think it would be, you know, not a good idea because most triathletes don't have the the mobility to effectively go past ninety degrees and hold good form. The risk mm-hmm. outweighs the benefit, and you're really you know, even if you use like a chair or box as sort of a guide of where to go to, you go to that good 90 degrees under really good form. I think that's plenty. I don't think you need to go into like a full depth Olympic lifting squad or something like that as a triathlete.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. And I, I would say most people that's not a question they have because they can't get to 90 <laughs> degrees to begin with. Like I struggle for nineties, so that's the camp I'm in. But, uh, but yeah, if you can go lower, I would say, you know, you gotta be pretty careful going lower. It, it might be pretty diminishing returns there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you talked a little bit about what else you might put in, in each of those days, besides like, say the squat or the deadlift. Um, I usually put in like, for simplicity's sake, I usually put in a push, a pull, And then a single leg exercise and some core. And so that's usually like, I mean, there can be some more kind of fancy stuff based on the athlete, but one, one thing I kind of like get into every session would be that, and some people kind of say like, well, as a triathlete, do I need to do like something for my back and something for my chest? Or is that kind of overrated? Um, but when I, when I'm talking about that, if it's something like, like a pull up where you're probably not going to bulk up by doing pull-ups, but you're getting like a lot of full body engagement and yeah, you're working on like some good swimming muscles. I would say, yeah, I think that's really important to have that, that total you want to ice. be ready for
1: the zombie apocalypse, right? You <laughs> got to be able to, you got to be able to run and you got to be able to do one pull-up.
0: <laughs> well, and th- I also have ax throwing in there. That's, that's part C is, is ax throwing just in case. And also a really good core movement. So, you know, it, it works. Yeah. <laughs>
1: No, I, I agree with that. So it's like, um, you know, some people we're talking about the squat and the deadlift, but uh, if those are not options for you, remember there is other exercises to target what you're after. So in most gyms, or if you've got a good strength person that you can work with, there's all kinds of other exercises to, if you're not able to do those. So like for the deadlift, if you can't do a good straight bar deadlift in good form, you might, you know, do a trap bar deadlift. I think I I really recommend the trap bar deadlift for most athletes, because you're gonna be able to hold position much better. And uh, unless you're really experienced with the lift, that's probably going to be the best one for you. Same thing if you're if squats, you know, if you're a bar squat is too advanced for you, the leg press is great Smith machine works great. Um, you know, there's all kinds of options out there to make sure that you stay in good form and you still get the strength that you need and you stay safe. So, depending on what your level is, what your ability is, make sure that you're you're getting the strength that you need with the exercise that's right for you to be able to do it correctly. And I would say that the deadlift is probably the most complex it's pretty it's it's hard to do a really good straight bar deadlift, especially as it gets heavier. So you want to make sure you really know what you're doing with that and, and get good form instruction with that. I think the most common mistake triathletes make with that is they do a deadlift in the runners that they run in, and that tips them forward and they get a little off, you know, it it puts them in bad positions as far as deadlifting goes. And that's when they end up hurting their back. So So there's all these little technical things that are really, really important to be able to do that lift well. And if you don't have good instruction with that, it's it's probably the highest risk. So that's why, you know, trap bar deadlift is much easier to hold those positions and going to be much safer. So, so yeah, a push and a pull for sure. And then supplementary exercises, I think calf raises are really important for triathletes. I think that especially the older you get, keep that like, you know, we see a lot of injuries from the knee down to the foot as triathletes and making sure that, you know, you keep calf raises as part of your routine year round, your core routine. I think that that's pretty important. And some kind of core exercises, even some lateral movements, those kinds of things, you know, using some, you know, side to side bends, you know, getting maybe your athletes moving a little bit of twisting, like twisting with the ball, that kind of thing, and supplementary exercises. So once you've done your two lifts, your push and your pull and your main lift, and you've gone that's you've done your warm-up, you've done that first. That's your main thing. And then you go off and do your supplementary stuff. I think when you're doing big lifts, like a squat, you don't need, to, I think it's a bit of overkill to do some single leg stuff afterwards. I'd rather see someone do, you know, calf raises, or if they're more advanced, maybe some knee height box jumps, um, you know, and lots of good core work with the, with the balls and, and those kinds of things. And I think that that's, that's going to be enough. We don't need to like blast the quads out, especially cause we are still going to be running and biking. So,
0: um, I like to keep it pretty simple that way. Nice. Yeah. I guess, I guess I just don't lift heavy enough. I usually end up doing a single leg activity after my, my main lift, but as we've already mentioned that my ability to lift heavy weights is pretty low. So, uh,
1: I mean, if, if you are lifting, you know, if it's relatively light, you know, maybe like some split, some walking lunges with a twist or, you know, some, um, you know, some single leg, single leg press or something like that can definitely benefit. And that's the thing is that all this stuff, it's, it's important that it's individualized to you and what you need. You know, we can give some broad range, you know, recommendations on this stuff and then, you know, fine tuning it into exactly what you need. Cause I don't have one single athlete that's on the exact same strength program. Every single one of them has something a little bit different. So
0: just like they wouldn't be on the exact same triathlon program, right?
1: Exactly. Yep. Yep.
0: Um, so you were talking about form a little bit, do you, uh, how do you, so I, the best way to be right, if they're working with a coach, that's right in front of them, like, yep. and obviously that's hard for it to be you since you're in Tucson, not all your athletes are here. Do you, uh, do you, what do you recommend for athletes to get form cues if they can't work with an individual strength coach?
1: So with my athletes, knowing them. Well, I know which ones have a good lifting background and Mm -hmm. have the knowledge and ability to do good lifts and good form. And so those ones I will put in their program, those lifts and then Mm -hmm. ask them to send me video and, and we'll go through them. Athletes that I have even the slightest bit of question whether they're going to be able to hold form that exercise i pick an alternate exercise that targets the exact same thing we're after but i know that they'll be safe mm-hmm. and and i don't even i don't even try and risk it if they have the option to work with someone that we say we come together and say yeah this person's really good you're going to follow the program that i give you or whatever program they give you they send it to me and i give it thumbs up that looks good and they're there in person to work with them then then great uh, but that needs to be something that we communicate about and agree on 100%, because I, I don't like my athletes just to go to just some random strength coach and take over the whole program. And I have no idea like how many sets, reps, exercises, what's going on, you know, if they're any good, do they even know what they're doing? Because uh, some 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 people... There's all kinds of different people in the strength coaching world and all different levels. And there's a big difference even between strength coaches and personal trainers and, and some, and, and all good and all have a purpose and a place, but, and how that is in relationship to what we need, because this is the icing on the cake. It needs to develop you into a faster swim bike runner. So if it's not doing that, then. Why are we doing this? So I'm really, really pretty strict about that stuff. So to answer your original question to making sure that they have good form, the advanced athletes that I know they can do it. We did a, do a little video touch and then absolutely. If I even have a question mark, I just pick an alternate exercise that gets the same, same effect, but no
0: risk involved. Nice. Yeah. I like the video. I think it's good for just checking in with athletes too. I think i I shy away from having athletes kind of try and self-correct with a mirror. Cause I think you can get yourself in a lot of trouble trying to correct yourself while looking at a mirror while doing the lift. I think that's, uh, that's too many things, even if you know what you're supposed to look like. So you're like, Oh, like I'm fairly advanced. I can just watch myself and figure it out. I think you, you can kind of get yourself in trouble by trying to do two things at once there. And, and so I think getting the video and looking at it yourself, looking at it with a strength coach. And I do, I even, even now with like with, there are so many strength coaches that are kind of like internet based and you can video yourself and send it to them and they'll give you feedback right away. So if you're a self-coached athlete, I think, and you don't want like an actual triathlon coach, I think that'd be a really good way to go to find kind of like an, an online strength coach who's, who's well-known or has a good reputation to kind of keep an eye on your form to like on a, with every lift that you do so you can kind of send it to him and, and get feedback. Um, my, my wife, Amy actually does that. And she's had really good success with getting really good form feedback. And the hard thing with there is there's a delay, right? You can't do set one and correct it before set two. So yeah. you've got to make sure you're like, at least in that realm of acceptable before, like you kind of start one of those programs. Cause that time delay is if you're doing something wrong for four, four reps, you could be kind of in instant pain by the end. So, but yeah, if you reach that, that minimum, that could be when you're lifting,
1: good. when you're lifting, stuff go wrong really fast. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> is... <laughs> ah! <laughs> yeah. Help. Yeah, uh... you get yourself
0: pinned down with weights everywhere. It's, it's,
1: uh... <laughs> Do you remember that there's like, there's an old YouTube where the, the or is like a guy doing really heavy bench pressing, was so a personal trainer, and the trainer's like, all you man, all you, and the guy's like really weak, and he's struggling with the bar, and he's like, "No, no, some you, some you." <laughs> That's my favorite. I always think of that.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Some oh you. man, I...
1: <laughs> all you man, no, some <laughs> you, please. <laughs> uh, I do think too. Um, so to just like really quickly run through, if people were going to lay out a program, they've got like, uh, let's say they got eight weeks, and they just for. Very specifics for people. They do two weeks of their base phase of those four by 10 twice a week. Then they move. This is what I'd recommend. Then they move to five by eights, a little bit heavier weight for two weeks, maybe even three weeks. And then they're going to move to two or three weeks of five by fives. And that's when you're really getting into some, you know, your top weight of what you're going to lift for your your cycle of, of training. So if you've got your push pull and your supplementary exercises, you're going twice a week and you're going to progress it over that number of weeks, that's, that would be the progression that I would recommend. And then once you've done that, sort of check in with where you're at with the swim, bike, and run your season and the gains that you've made and assess from there, whether you now just transition into, uh, mobility and supplementary core work as you work into your competitive season or do you want to keep some you know do you have time or is it going to benefit you to go through another strike cycle of some kind so that's if if you're looking for a real specific layout that's what i would recommend
0: would you cycle through any cutback weeks in there or would you just say you can you can move through that six or seven week or eight week uh progression without having any like any many cutbacks in there
1: yeah. I mean, it depends on the athlete. If the athlete is struggling to recover, you might have like a recovery week in there, which, it, it, you know, after each cycle, you know, if you're doing the, the base, like you said, the three on one off, that kind of thing that definitely strings it out. It's not necessary. I've been through lots of strength cycles myself personally, even into when I was a strength athlete into weightlifting meets and powerlifting meets where there was really no deload week in those progressions it was you know you you went from each phase into the next and um you didn't really need a deload at any point now it just depends too you know it, it if you're if you're not advanced or you're starting to get a little bit too tired for any reason certainly at any point if you need a deload week in within those cycles then then take it you know, you'll know, you'll know when that is, or you'll know if you're that type of athlete, then absolutely. You know, it's, there's no point in pushing through if you're getting too tired and too sore.
0: Cool. Yeah, no, I think, I don't think you need to to talk yourself out of that corner. I think that's cool that, um, you know, maybe some, some people kind of say you or recommend that deal a week, but maybe it's not necessary. Maybe it's uh maybe you can just kind of keep, keep plowing through, especially if the, the swim bike run volume is fairly low or the intensity is fairly low. Maybe yeah, maybe it's like you said, just kind of like stretching out the program a little longer than, than you need to be in order to get to that, that strength you want to kind of hold. Um, so, so let's say you get to that point and you get to your five by fives, you're feeling pretty good. And you're for lack of a better word, like your strength focus is coming to an end. Do you recommend most, most athletes would allow do a. Uh, a maintenance phase or something like that throughout the year, do you recommend they keep lifting pretty heavy? Um, I, I know it's going to be, it, it depends, but what do you, yeah. What do you like to do with your athletes?
1: I I like to transition them into just a maintenance program. Once, once you're in the, once you start to get into a race preparation phase, I think just going to maintenance of whatever maintenance looks like for that athlete is, Mm -hmm you know, cause the, once you're getting into the bulk of a race preparation build, this, the load's pretty high, right? Intensity's going sure. up, the hours are going up, the total load and stress over the workouts that you're doing is going up. And, you know, it's kind of like the, the, the strength program is the icing on the cake. And so at some point, if you're loading up too much icing, that cake's going to break. Right. And so in order to go fast, we need to now shift to really specifics in the swim, bike, and run, and probably the intensity within that need to be able to, we really need to be able to hit those numbers, right? If we're doing threshold type work or, you know, really hard sessions, you need to be able to hit those with good quality and with improvements. And so if the strength training's taking away from that at all, then we're not going to be ready to race fast. So I go into more core body weight injury prevention type stuff. When people, when that, when that training stress comes up, the other training stress load needs to come down for sure. In my opinion.
0: Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I think, yeah, it does, like like you're saying, kind of depends on where the athlete's at, what that maintenance phase might look like. But I think switching over to like, you can use some of those same exercises basically for mobility, right? Like, if you're doing squat with low weight, you're like, oh, I can still actually get down to 90 degrees, which for some people, not talking about myself here, but could be like a stretch some parts of the year. So you're kind of just maintaining that mobility and maintaining that, that like muscular engagement, which again, like for, athletes, maybe in my camp, that muscular engagement is something that, that might fade pretty quickly. Whereas yeah. someone, someone like you, it, it seems like you kind of hold on to that decently well, or you can reach that by doing like, say some big year stuff on the bike where for me, that might not be quite enough to maintain that. So yeah. if I can kind of hit the gym and, and yeah, not go super hard, but still just kind of like.
1: Just activation like, type stuff. Yeah. You know, activation. Maintenance activation absolutely. Yeah. And that's, there's definite benefit to that. And, and, other athletes, you know, through their race season, don't need any gym work at all. You know, like me right. personally, I would, I would not do any gym work at all through the race season, but like, mm. like you said, like I'm, I'm able to do that on, you know, on, on my bike or, or whatever. Whereas, yeah, I have plenty of athletes that I have them on a maintenance program all year up to 10 days out from their main race. And, and some athletes even, you know, might be, Unlike the Tuesday before their race, they might still do some kind of core routine with activation type work that is specific for them. And that's fine. That's not going to take away from their race at all. That's only going to help them. Like you say, you know, keep, keep things activated.
0: Yeah. And I think it's, it's good to point out that like this maintenance phase shouldn't make you sore, right? Yeah. You're they should make you kind of primed for your other workouts. So if you're getting sore from what you're calling your maintenance work, it's probably way too much. Yeah. Um, and and so yeah i think that's why some people can say like keep lifting through race week because they're just going through the motions and staying like flexible and staying engaged and not actually like their muscles aren't breaking down they need to repair they're just basically yeah. it's like a glorified stretch and activation session
1: exactly and that's the thing too we talked we've talked a lot about one very specific lane with the actual gym work and the lifting because it's the most important to give the most information for. If you do fall in that other camp of, you know, three, four times a week, you are just primarily doing, uh, core work and agility type stuff, maybe a little bit of plyometrics, body weight type stuff, side to side movement, sort of getting outside of your, your, your normal movement of just, you know, straight up and down that kind of thing. Uh, Then that, that can be done a lot of exercises, a lot of reps, you can change it up often. In fact, you should change it up often to keep, you know, the brain engaged and keep the nervous system engaged. And that can be done, you know, three times a week, even for some athletes, maybe four times a week, because there's no, there's no, there's no weights involved, you know, or if it is, it's extremely lightweight. So those kinds of routines and exercises, you can do all you can do it year round, you can do it more often you can do it quite quickly. Um, you know, all of those, the, the rules change a lot with those types of routines versus the actual strength routines that we're talking about. So Mm. that's why it's important to identify which one you're doing and then how to program it into your week and how different those really are from one another.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, for that, like say mobility routine, I would say we're looking at like 20 minutes Yeah, and you could, I would always, or for most people that have like a lot going on, I like I piggyback that with like a run or something. So you know you do a little warm up, you go through some mobility and then you go for a jog after or vice versa. But it's like maybe you get an hour hour workout in and then twenty minutes of it is like kind of the stuff you're talking about. and so it's you know you kind of like condense that in and and yeah, you're not gonna have like you you might be a little bit sore because like some of the movements are different, but it's not the same as being sore because the weight was heavy. And I think that's a that, that's a really big difference in the in how sore you actually get. Um, speaking of my box jumps are up to seven pieces of paper now, so I'm really getting up there.
1: <laughs> seven pieces of paper nice. Yeah. <laughs> step ups are a good start too. You don't need to jump right away or broad jumps. <laughs> you can do broad jumps. you can do step ups. You can do step ups with a hop at the top. Ooh, that's, nice. a, that's actually a really good one for cycling. Uh, step-ups with a hop at the top, um, with weight is, uh, is, is great for cycling and that's a good supplementary exercise. So there's a lot of different supplementary exercises that you can, that you can do outside of your, your main push pull lifts that that'll benefit you. But, you know, if there's people who have a lot of questions on this kind of stuff, cause it's a big, big barrel of information, the strength world, Then, you know, feel free to reach out anytime. I'm happy to answer questions. I do have like some sample programs on my site and the guidelines and forms that people can pick through different ones like a TRX routine versus like an actual strength building routine, those kinds of things. So but yeah i'm always happy to answer questions on this kind of stuff i feel fortunate that i came from kind of a strength world and then i got into endurance sports and then after my pro career i went into strength sports again and competed in strength sports and um and then now back into endurance sports so like and i've worked with a lot of great great strength and conditioning coaches the the you know head of um you know asu I, i'm really good friends with him and and talk a lot with him about specific strength for all the different programs and he also programs for the asu triathlon team that kind of stuff and as well as um at iu and and really always in touch with them about like the latest and greatest and all the stuff out there and how to how to sort of go through the weeds of all that stuff because man there's a lot out there so um always happy to answer questions on it
0: Awesome. And yeah, I think like one of the more general things I would say to most people is less is probably more and keeping it pretty simple and and yeah, trying not to get too, too fancy and crazy with what you're doing in the gym. Um, but awesome. Thank you. And I, I'd also be happy to answer questions. I do not have the background, which Marilyn has, but I've been listening to myself for a while and, uh, asked a lot of questions to, to the guys I, I work with. So, um, so yeah, thank you for spending the hour with me, Marilyn.
1: Awesome. Thanks. Fun conversation.
0: Mm-hmm.